June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hotel Hurricane. How they lived through the night. The roof could give out any minute. Then, outrage. How shocked are we that 17-year-olds with rifles decided they had to maintain order when no one else would? What we've learned about the teen charged with the shooting. Our job is to protect this business. And is sports over? The Bucks never took the floor. The growing calls for a national boycott. And the player who led the charge. Look what once happened to him. Taser! 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 And half masters. What they don't know that could be exposing them to danger. Why are you wearing the mask below your nose? Plus, taking a dip in the ocean. Then the predator that came crashing the party. Get on board! They had to open fire. Now, Inside Edition with Deborah Norville. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us as we broadcast today from back in our New York studio, our first time here since the beginning of the pandemic when we started broadcasting from home. And we begin today with frightening videos of the impact of Hurricane Laura. The Gulf Coast took a major hit, including the hotel where our crew was hunkered down. Not good. Oh, no. Time to take over, time to take over. Lake Charles, Louisiana, Hurricane Laura as it happens. This building is coming apart. Whole building is going apart. Windows are blown out. Metal blinds poke out from offices. In the daylight, it looks like a bomb went off. If Laura did that, an RV doesn't stand a chance. You can see the extraordinary power of the hurricane. Here, the moment the power goes out. A news crew hunkering down captured a casino roof getting sliced and diced. Look how close this reporter comes to an exploding transformer. Oh, <laughs> that's not good. A motel was torn apart piece by piece. Today, you can see through the roof. We even have to evacuate. Inside Edition producer Cynthia Yip took refuge inside the Quality Inn in Lake Charles. You can see that the side of the building has just fallen off from the hotel that we're staying in. Guests did what they could when doors were blown in. All the people staying here trying to get in and secure it before debris comes in. The roof did not hold up. The water is really dripping through here. It's not safe. The roof could give out any minute. This veteran CNN reporter is breathing a sigh of relief today. But I'll tell you, I've covered a lot of hurricanes 
in my career since the 1980s. And this was a really scary event. In some areas, it looks as if a tornado ripped through town. And Hurricane Laura turned deadly. A tree fell on a home in Louisiana, killing a 14-year-old girl. Fox News host Tucker Carlson is facing major backlash today over comments he made about a 17-year-old accused of shooting and killing two people during the protest in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Carlson said on the air that the teen was only to, quote, trying to, quote, maintain order when he opened fire. Stephen Fabian reports. Tucker Carlson is under fire today over comments made on the violence in Kenosha. Boy, really surprised that looting and arson accelerated to murder. How shocked are we that 17-year-olds with rifles decided they had to maintain order when no one else would? Social media erupted, accusing the Fox News host of inciting violence and calling for his ouster. We're learning more about the teenager charged with intentional homicide after shooting two protesters dead during a night of mayhem. In this video obtained by Inside Edition, Kyle Rittenhouse explains that he joined a band of armed men defending businesses from looting. People are getting injured and our job is to protect this business. He allegedly shot a man in the head at a besieged car dealership. Rittenhouse can be seen fleeing the scene, then tripping as protesters tried to disarm him. He fired his rifle and a second man was killed. Brendan Gutenschwager shot the disturbing video. That somebody could have just committed such acts and then just basically get up and walk as if nothing had happened. It defies imagination. So who is this young man who is sparking the intense national debate? Rittenhouse attended a Trump rally in Iowa in January and sat in the front row not far from the president. The campaign issued a statement saying President Trump condemns all forms of violence. This individual had nothing to do with our campaign. At the Republican convention, Vice President Pence spoke about the outbreak of violence and got the biggest cheers of the night. We will have law and order on the streets of this country. The police officer who shot Jacob Blake in the back seven times has been named as Rustin Shesky, a seven-year veteran. Authorities claim Blake kept a knife on the floor of his SUV, prompting this reaction from Gail King. That the knife was in the car underneath the floor mat. So when they shot him, they did not know anything about the knife. When you look at the Black Lives Matter movement, you've got to look at the cause of why this is happening. These aren't people just going crazy in the streets for no, no reason. I, it's, it's, it's too much to me. That officer who shot Jacob Blake has been placed on administrative leave while the investigation continues. And all the civil unrest is having a huge impact on sports, including the NBA. For one Milwaukee Bucks player who's leading that team's game boycott, the issue hits really close to home. He says he, too, was the victim of police brutality. Amber Cagliano has details. The sports world has come to a dead stop. Mass protests by pro athletes. The NBA playoffs are on hold this morning. And the unprecedented boycott was led in part by this Milwaukee Bucks player. His name is Sterling Brown, and the ongoing protests against police really hits home for him. Take your hands out of your pockets now. Hold on. I got stuff in my hand. 
Two years ago, Brown was thrown to the ground, tased, then thrown in jail over an alleged parking violation. You can hear his moans. Brown was never charged and is currently suing the police for excessive force. Only 45 minutes from where Brown's incident took place, Jacob Blake was shot seven times in the back. Now it's Sterling Brown who's leading the charge. Despite the overwhelming plea for change, there has been no action. So our focus today cannot be on basketball. The boycott triggered a cascade of walkouts, even the TV sportscasters. I think it's for best for me to support the players and just not be here tonight. Players with the Washington Mystics wore t-shirts made to look as if they were riddled with bullet holes. We're going to say what we need to say and people need to hear that. Yahoo Sports reporter Chris Haynes is inside the so-called NBA bubble in Orlando. That's going to be a historical moment in NBA history and sports history. That was the player's way of crying out and saying enough is enough. We got to do something. Now the boycott is spreading to other sports, including Major League Baseball, soccer, even tennis. Superstar Naomi Osaka dropped out of a semifinal match that was scheduled for today here in New York City. It's unclear if the U.S. Open, scheduled to start on Monday, will be impacted. As a black woman, I feel as though there are much more important matters at hand that need immediate attention, rather than watching me play tennis, Asaka says. Former President Obama said, I commend the players for standing up for what they believe in. President Trump had this to say. I don't know too much about the protests, but I know their ratings have been very bad, and that's too, that's unfortunate. They've become like a political organization. In a closed-door meeting today, NBA players agreed to not boycott the rest of the season. In fact, play could resume as soon as Friday. President Trump tonight will officially accept a nomination for president of the United States at the White House on a final night of the Republican National Convention. It is a very unconventional convention this year, and covering it has its own set of challenges. It was the surprise of the night. President Trump and First Lady Melania arriving at historic Fort McHenry, and the audience loved it. Crowding together, calling out to the first couple, posing for pictures. That's the vice president giving fist bumps. I'm told that most of these people were not tested for coronavirus before they were allowed to come into this setting. So many elderly veterans in this audience, the vast majority of them not wearing any masks. CBS News anchor Nora O'Donnell has covered conventions for 20 years, but none like this. She spoke with Deborah today. There's nothing conventional at all about these conventions right now. This is the age of COVID. It has not only changed how political parties put on these conventions, it has changed the way that reporters are able to cover these conventions. You know, part of the pomp of a convention is the excitement, the delegates from all around the country. All that energy has essentially been sucked out. That being said, President Trump is trying to have as close to a convention in his own reality TV world that he can. One memorable moment last night came as Madison Cawthorn, a congressional candidate from North Carolina, paralyzed in a car accident at 18, rose from his wheelchair. And be a radical for our republic, for which I stand, one nation under God, with liberty and justice for all.
Kellyanne Conway gave her swan song and spoke to Fox and Friends today. Is it going to drive you crazy? that you are not going to be there in these last 67 days. No, I'm making the best decision for my family. But also, I told the president on Sunday night and again last night in my probably final uh, trip on Marine One with the president and the first lady, told him the next two months you focus on winning and, I'll, and I'm going to focus on um, investing in leisure wear and hovering over my kids. At the White House, preparations are underway on the South Lawn for President Trump's closing address tonight. He'll speak in front of a crowd of 1,000 supporters. The president wants to have a big speech tonight. We are told he is going to excoriate Joe Biden. No big surprise there. One of the things that is on the line is in this election is President Trump's handling of the coronavirus. And in his convention speech tonight, he is essentially going to say, it doesn't matter that much the crowd gathering. We're going to have as many people as we like on the South Lawn of the White House. While the cable news channels will cover all of tonight's RNC proceedings, the networks will be airing only the last hour from 10 to 11. It was supposed to be a fun activity for the crew of a Coast Guard ship taking a dip in the Pacific Ocean. Terrific way to cool off. Then a shark was approaching. Luckily, a sharpshooter nearby kept the jaws away. It's an extraordinary sight. Coast Guard personnel out for a leisurely swim when gunshots are fired into the ocean. Why the gunfire? There's a shark headed right at them. Yes, even their unicorn floaty is in the shark's path. Once they realize the presence of the eight-foot shark, they frantically swim to safety. Several of the men and women scramble up the ladder. Others swim to a rescue boat and are pulled to safety. This is the sharpshooter who opened fire. They were warning shots only. There was no plan to kill the beast. The Coast Guard says they were in the waters near Fiji, patrolling for illegal fishing when they jumped into the water for a refreshing swim. The protocol is for a safety boat to launch with every swim and for a sharpshooter to be on the lookout for sharks. Well, it's a good thing they were prepared. The Coast Guard says the sharpshooter kept the shark from his shipmates with amazing accuracy. The shark would wave off with each burst of gunfire, but kept coming back. Finally, after all the crew members were safely out of the water, the shark swam away, unhurt. The only injury suffered was to this officer. No, that's not a shark bite, it's a scrape suffered while climbing aboard. And yes, it's right in the middle of his shark tattoo. By the way, the crew's top requested movies on the flight deck that night were Jaws, followed by, what else, Sharknado. Next, half maskers. What they don't know that could be exposing them to danger. Why are you wearing the mask below your nose? Then, the most notorious park ever built. Why they called it Class Action Park. Combine that with liquor and anything goes. There were no rules. And a little girl who positively, absolutely, categorically will not dance. Inside Edition with Deborah Norville will be right back. People, could you just wear your mask properly? There's a term for those of you who don't. Half-maskers, people who wear their mask over their mouths but leave their nose exposed, which of course leaves you exposed to inhaling the virus. Les Trent reports. It's a sight we're seeing all too often. People with their mouths covered, but their noses exposed. They're known as half-maskers. Mask over the mouth 
isn't enough. Dr. Richard Boucher co-authored a new report citing the dangers of half-masking. He says the nose is the main entry point of the COVID infection. If you cover the nose with the mask, you stop the process. You prevent that initial infection that drives the whole sequence of the terrible disease. Half maskers anger those who fully cover up. It's kind of upsetting to watch people walk around with just their mouths covered. One woman explained why she was half masking. We work on a construction site and it's already hot and sticky in there. So then when we come outside, the first thing we do is not trying to put it on our whole face. Meanwhile, was Dr. Anthony Fauci blindsided by the CDC? The nation's top infectious disease expert tells CNN he was literally under the knife to remove a polyp on his vocal cords when new CDC guidelines came under discussion by the White House task force. Dr. Anthony Fauci, he denies that he was involved in approving those final changes, telling CNN Sanjay Gupta that he was having surgery at the time. The new guidelines were released on the CDC website without fanfare on Monday, declaring if you have been in close contact within six feet of a person with a COVID-19 infection for at least 15 minutes, but do not have symptoms, you do not necessarily need a test unless you are a vulnerable individual. Dr. Fauci shared his concerns with CBS this morning. Now, he tells me he's concerned that these revisions could be interpreted as lessening the importance of asymptomatic spread. Previously, the CDC said that anyone who came into contact with someone infected with COVID-19 should get tested, whether they had symptoms or not. The CDC denies it buckled under White House pressure to slow down testing. And you need a scorecard to follow all of this. Late this afternoon, the CDC again changed its guidance regarding coronavirus testing. After protests from the Scientific Committee, CDC Director Robert Redford says now those who come into contact with a confirmed or likely COVID case should get themselves tested. And when we come back, a look at an amusement park once called the most dangerous in America. It was called the most dangerous amusement park in American history. Now a new documentary shows why Action Park was nicknamed Traction Park. There's nothing in the world like Action Park. It was dubbed the most dangerous amusement park in America. Electrocuted. Decapitated. Fractured vertebrae. Impaled on the bowl. Had a heart attack. I don't know how many people died at Action Park, but it wasn't just one person. It all happened at Action Park, located in Vernon Valley, New Jersey. Back in the 1980s, it was the destination for thrill seekers. Despite its nicknames, Accident Park and Traction Park. Add into that just this general sense of chaos. There were no rules. Seth Porges is a co-director of a new HBO Max documentary, Class Action Park. Every member of my family was injured in that park at some time or another. <laughs> the park was dreamt up by Wall Street broker Gene Mulvihill. It was kind of a mix of P.T. Barnum, Walt Disney, and Donald Trump. He was this American archetype, the kind of person who has his vision and will do whatever it takes to make that vision possible, to make that vision happen, even if people get hurt along the way. The rides were experimental. Some worked, others didn't. The most dangerous theme park of all time, there was a, a water slide that held one person that went in a, in, like in a flip. It looked like a 
a bunch of kids built it. People went through that. Not everybody actually made it to the end, so they had to install a hatch to remove bodies because people just kept getting stuck in there. Despite hundreds of injuries daily and at least six deaths, booze flowed. Safety took a backseat to thrills, and a trip to the ER was like a badge of honor. Everybody knew it was dangerous, and that's why they went. The danger became the attraction. Action Park finally closed in 1996. Class Action Park will start streaming on HBO Max today. When we come back, the little girl who stole the show by doing absolutely nothing. Finally today, the star of the dance recital is, well, someone who didn't dance. She just doesn't want to dance. Four-year-old Charlie stands in her pink tutu for her big recital and is just not having it. For the entire six-minute performance, she just stands there, not moving a muscle. She just stood there, and, um, you know, I just remember thinking, all right, maybe it's the song, not feeling it. A star is born for not doing a single thing. You just keep being you, honey. A star is born indeed. That's Inside Edition. I'm Deborah Norville. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Spoiler alert, it's neither. At Happy Egg, we believe happiness of the hens is what actually came first, because without happy hens, there would be no such thing as happy eggs. You know, eggs with delicious orange yolks. Those come from hens who are raised the happy way on eight-plus acres of family-owned farms. Choose happy at happyegg.com and look for the yellow carton at a store near you. Happy Egg. This is Stephen Colbert, here to talk to you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is our podcast of The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. I'm here with my producer, Becca. Becca, what can people expect on the podcast? The extended moments, for sure. For instance, if I'm talking to Tom Hanks for like 20 minutes, only 14 of that ever makes it to air because we just don't have time. And Tom's a jabberjaw. You know, he's a chatty catty. But it's all gold because it's Tom Hanks, and we put that on the podcast. We do. Yeah, that's value added. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings early and ad-free on Wondery Plus.